Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic, with all the changes to schooling and daily life, is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path. We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age, so parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. Welcome back to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. Have you ever reacted strongly to something that your kid has done and then, man, just later regretted how you handled it? And let's be honest, does this happen way more often than you'd care to admit? Well, include me in that camp. Um, even this past weekend, I was I was doing some work with my son, David, who's 14 and with some of his math and you know, trying to explain some concepts that frankly I hadn't seen in a really long time, maybe since I was in high school. And uh, we were just having a hard time connecting and, and I found myself getting frustrated and he was blaming me and it just, you know, it wasn't a great experience. And, you know, to be honest, it's not the kind of relationship that I want to have with my kids. And, you know, really, I don't think any of us do. Well, my guest today, Hunter Clark Fields, had her own breakthrough moment years ago. So she noticed that her, at the time, her young toddler was becoming fearful from her mama's yelling. And man, that really hurt. And she knew that something needed to change. Well, fast forward to today, and now Hunter is a Mindful Mama mentor. She's the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, host of the Mindful Mama podcast, and best-selling author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Hunter's non-judgmental, practical advice helps parents to bring more calm and peace into their daily lives. She's got over 20 years experience in meditation practices and has taught mindfulness to thousands of people worldwide. And she's also the mother of two very active daughters who challenge her every day to hone her craft. Hunter, welcome to the show. So glad to be here, Jerry. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about, about your family. Always curious to, to know more about you know, our guests and, and what their world looks like. <laughs> well, that daughter who was two when I was frustrated and losing my temper way too much was is now 14 and she has a sister who's 11. We got a dog and two cats. We got like a wonderful uh rescue pit bull that we love. Uh-huh. And uh and yeah, we live in a funky little artist community in Delaware. So That sounds awesome. That's that's us in a nutshell. <laughs> sounds sounds like life is full of life. Yes, life is full of life. <laughs> yeah, so so I'm curious to to know more, you know, kind of like when you when you had sort of that the realization that that something, you know, needed to change. How, how did you go about, you know, okay, you know, need to change something. How do, how do I make that change happen? What what was that path look like for you? I mean, first it started with like me like crying and feeling like I'm a terrible parent. What's wrong with me? You know, and all of those things. All the guilt feelings. But all all the guilt, all the guilt, the sort of like shame storm. And then, and then there was nowhere to go from there. You know, that wasn't getting me anywhere. So I had to, I knew I had to go back to the mindfulness practices that had kind of saved my butt years before, you know, so I, I could see that this 
that this wasn't about her. It was about me, right? It was about me and and this feeling I had of like her, I would get really upset when she would get upset or mm. angry or, or talk back to me. And I, those, those feelings of feeling like this, this is unacceptable that, that I could see that it really came from like generational patterns, you know, like my dad had a big badass temper and scared me a lot when I was a, a kid growing up. And I could see, oh, because her feelings feel unacceptable to me, it, I'm doing the same thing. You know, I'm mm. getting, I'm getting all triggered and all upset and doing the same thing. And this isn't, this isn't so much about her. This is about me. So I have to, I have to steady my heart, my mind, my nervous system. And luckily I had been learning about that and, and for a long time. And the two years before I got pregnant, I had really finally established uh, a steady meditation practice and it had really transformed my life because I'm just like my daughter. I'm a highly sensitive person. We're two highly sensitive people. So, you know, there, things can get stirred up. Mm -hmm. And and when I had finally, you know, when I had finally sat and done a medit mindfulness meditation practice for a few months, I, it, first of all, I thought I was like failing at that and I wasn't doing it right. And what am I doing? I'm just sitting here thinking the whole time, <laughs> more, like this isn't working, but, but it was like, on. yeah, yeah oh, not the guilt, but just like, what am I doing? I can't even do this. Mm. But, but I looked back at the, over the rest of my life and I, I used to kind of fall into these pits of, you know, feeling like I wasn't able to handle life and, and mindfulness practice really kind of made it so I didn't fall into any of these sort of emotional lows and pit that I would fall into on a really regular basis. So I thought, okay, if it could do that for me, then I really need it now to, to steady, steady my heart, to make me less reactive. And I started to, to study it. I started to study parenting. I started to, you know, learn about how to respond and, and I, I used to feel like I, I would st study all these great parenting coaches who would say like, here are great ways to respond, respond this way. And I would feel very frustrated because really the first thing I need to work on was like, stop, you know, the yelling, calm the reactivity. And that's what I needed the mindfulness for. So I really wanted to bring mindfulness into this parenting conversation because all that good advice is as good as useless if you can't calm down and access your whole brain. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, when you're in that fight or flight stage, right? It, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't matter. I mean, you're, you're not thinking rational. You're just trying to survive. And, you know, which is another reason not to be talking to your kids or to talk to your kids, you know, if either of you are in that, that state, right. But uh, yeah, it, what I'm hearing is, and, and, you know, what I would resonate with me is, is first get in a state where you can respond in a way that is kind and present. Yeah. Yeah. You literally can't, you know, you, you literally don't have access to your whole brain. It's so fascinating. Like the, that fight, flight, or freeze, that stress response literally hijacks your brain. So you're just, you know, blood to the muscles action, right? Like flow and action and, and whatever was kind of in your past is kind of what comes out there. And so, so for us to have any chance of choosing how we want to respond of, of a choosing or thoughtful response, we really have to change our state. You're right. You know, and as I'm thinking back to even just my my time this weekend with my son David, I mean, I, I consider myself who someone who's you know done a lot of work on myself, and I think as entrepreneurs we we tend to do that a lot. And yet, it's still you know almost fifty now, and uh, it's amazing just how quickly these triggers can pop up. You know, and before like before you even feel like you've even had a chance to process that something might happen, it's already happened, which is oh, which it's is so, so, so frustrating. True. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's so frustrating, but you're not, you're human. You don't have to be perfect. We don't have to like never yell at our kids. We don't have to be like the perfect role model well, that's good. all, the, still hope for all me. the time. That would be <laughs> way too much pressure on their kids. My father was perfect. Why do I yell? You know, I mean, <laughs> I had a so similar no experience. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I, I had a similar experience though. Like, you know, these triggers will come on you and you don't even realize it. My daughter, like a few years ago, we had movie night. My youngest daughter was all like riled up, didn't want to go to bed. And then like, I was just like, oh, I'll just read my book. Just ignore her. She'll just go away. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and she was like bugging me. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to pay attention to it. And then, uh, and then she laughed at me. And all of a sudden I was like, like this raging volcano. <laughs> and it was obviously like a trigger of uh-huh. being laughed at. And, and so you know, it's okay. Like it's okay to have anger. Like everybody has anger at times. It arises for everybody. We all have all of the emotions. It's just how can we, how can we deal with them? And so in that moment, I was really proud of myself because I, because I held, handled it in a way that I felt was very skillful for me in that moment. And what's, and I yelled, in fact, I yelled something, but I yelled, I am really angry right now. <laughs> and then I slammed the door. I threw that poor library book onto the floor of the carport. <laughs> I had to walk up and down the street for a good 15 minutes before I like was able to like think rationally. But to be able to yell, I'm really angry right now is a leaps and bounds better than yelling, what's wrong with you, you blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, you know, which is what might be the old habit of what we want to do, but it's instead like taking ownership of the feelings yeah. and then going and take care of them. Yeah. That's, that's the difference there right there. Yeah. Is, is it's not focusing on the other person, yeah. um, but really, yeah. Recognizing what's going on inside. And then, and then at that point, you know, as you said, you, you walked away to kind of diffuse the situation. So I guess what I, what I'm, so I'm curious then, once um, when these things do happen, how can we um, what can we do to work on to prevent them from happening in the future? Because as you point out, the triggers, right? There's obviously there's something there that needs attention if we're going to have any hope of you know getting past in, in the future. So what can what can we do to to work on that? There's a bunch of things we can do, but one of the things you know, and, and this is like what, what we do in, in mindful parenting. So one of the things is that we want to build a muscle of non-reactivity, right? Like if we're really reactive and we're discovering, I'm in this parent-child relationship and I'm feeling constantly irritated and frustrated and, and o- overwhelmed and all of those things, then we have to then turn the, the lens back on ourselves and start to, and I really encourage people to have practices to steady the heart, the mind, and the nervous system in their life in a regular basis, just like you take care of your body for a healthy body, you know, mindfulness meditation is a way to clear the lens, to take care of your mind, to, to be able to, I mean, literally it changes your brain to make you have, you know, it's amazing. The benefits, you know, greater sense of well-being, less anxiety, less depression, better sleep. And importantly for parents, impulse control, (laughs) greater impulse (laughs) control, very, very important. But the MRI studies are, it actually show that it actually grows it makes your prefrontal cortex, which is sort of the seat of all your higher order learning, actually makes that area of your brain thicker and more dense. And mm. it actually shrinks the uh, amygdala, which are like these the two these two clusters in near your brainstem that are the seat of your fight, flight, or freeze stress response. So it actually makes that less dense. And it actually makes the connectivity between the amygdala and the rest of your nervous system weaker. So you're literally... Um, 
changing your, the shape of your brain. It's really, really fascinating. So you're becoming less reactive overall, like you're kind of building that muscle. So that's a, a number one. That's why I think it's kind of the parental superpower, right? It gives us that ability to be thoughtful and to pause. Yeah. How do we pause? That's how we pause, right? Yeah, no, I, that's a great, yeah, it's a great analogy. Thinking of it as like a muscle that you need to build. So for someone who who's, you know, never tried meditation or maybe has tried and, you know, gave up, didn't work for them, quote unquote, how, how would you suggest people start to build a practice of meditation? Optimally, you're not doing it all alone by yourself, <laughs> but I know we're all doing a lot of things all alone by ourselves, but optimally, you maybe you find someone to do it with you, but I invite people to do it in ways that works for them. Like I would invite you to find a teacher, you know, read some books, you know, you can start reading Raising Good Humans, but you can go on to other great books like um, Sharon Salzberg's Real Happiness is a really great beginning meditation book that's really, really helpful and find trusted teachers uh, that you may like. Like I have guided five minute meditations on my website. You might find those or things by like teachers like Sharon Salzberg or Tara Brock or Jack Cornfield and make a habit, you know, find a place where you can build onto a habit you already have. You know, for me, I find the best time for me to practice is first thing in the morning. So nothing else gets in the way. A lot of people are like great at the end of the day, they practice. I'm more of a, like a glass of wine at the end of the day kind of person. So that's not going to work for me, <laughs> but I like first thing in the morning and I, you know, you can start really small, make it really simple. And, and it is not about clearing your, your brain of thoughts. Mm -hmm. the, the, the brain thinks just like the ears hear and the eyes see. That's just the way it is. But we can start to get greater control of our attention and we can be less pushed and pulled and pulled away by our brain jumping to 10,000 different things and have more control over our attention over time, which is incredibly valuable thing. Mm. Uh, so those are, that's like a super fast in a nutshell yeah. <laughs> tips for yeah. practice. I'm sure there's more yeah. that you can find out there. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, so let's say we're, so we're, we're building this muscle now we're starting to, uh, develop the, the capacity to, to not react so strongly. Um, where do, where do we go from there? Um, I mean, I guess you mentioned too, like just owning your feelings, right? Like recognizing what's, what's showing up. Yeah. Can we break that down a little bit? Yeah. So we, we want to build that capacity, right? That's, that's really good. But what do we, what about when we get to those moments that are really, really difficult, those really triggering moments. So in those moments, I kind of think of those as like the big game for parents, right? And just like, and, and that goes back to our analogy of wanting to have, build a practice because you'd never send your kids to like the Little League World Series without ever having a practice or a, a coach or some muscle memory, right? So you, you want some of that steady practice. But then in as you get into those moments, we we have to, we want to, we want, but then in as you get into those moments, we, we have to, we want to, we want to encourage ourselves to step out of our thoughts, right? To stop identifying so much with the, the feelings and all those things. And the a way we do that is just like exactly what you said. We, we name it to tame it. We, you know, so instead of going into a moment, you're starting to feel irritated and you say, no, I'm calm, 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 calm. 
ah, I'm freaking out. You know, we don't want to do that. That doesn't work so well. I'm sure for everyone who's tried that, right? It doesn't work so well. But if we can say like, I'm starting to feel frustrated. I'm feeling really irritated right now. We can start to name those feelings out loud. And that does a number of things. It models healthy emotional uh, intelligence for our kids. It is also like a bell of mindfulness for us. Like, oh, I'm starting to go down that path. <laughs> I'm starting to feel irritated. Uh, now I'm starting to feel frustrated. <laughs> and saying out loud, I need a moment. I'm starting to feel frustrated. And as because you say it out loud, then your child hears you, you hear you, it's all out loud. So then there's an incentive there to just take a moment to say, okay, I need a moment. I need to take care of myself. And that's really how we start to, by becoming more transparent about our feelings and taking care of them, that's really how we can start to head off some of that stuff at the past. But say you don't, it comes on you at like, you know, split second, you're a raging volcano you have my permission to yell, I'm really angry. <laughs> One you know, if, if it, instead of whatever else it was at your child. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Okay. Um, so I guess one thing I'm curious about then is in addition to, so this is kind of like how to kind of break that cycle of, of reactive parenting. How can we then Go to kind of that the next level and um, talk about mindful parenting, like how we communicate with each other, um, or as a, as a parent, how we can communicate more effectively once we're in that that right space. Yeah, right. how do we make that better? I mean, and I'm I, I'm not, you know I'm partly a selfish question because you know I have my own challenges in trying to engage <laughs> more effectively with with my teens to be feel like I'm being understood and and, and being respectful and we're connecting, yeah. which which I know is a big part of how you describe mindful parenting. Yeah, I mean, for me, as when we call, we first step is always our we calm our reactivity as best we can, and then we can be really more present with our kids, right? If we're less like in our brain, in our ranting thoughts, right, then we can be more present with what's really happening. We can bring the attitudes of mindfulness to the moment, and that means bringing an attitude of kindness and curiosity, right? And curiosity is the opposite of judgment. So, can I be curious about? who is my child in this moment? Can I bring like the mind of a beginner to this moment? You know, like I've, I've been beamed down from Mars and I'm like an alien in this body. And who is this child right now in front of me? And what is this new moment I'm in, right? To bring this mm. freshness to our seeing. And when we do that, as far as the communication goes, I think that first step, it always starts with that, right? Like becoming more present less in autopilot, less in the to-do list, come out of the to-do list, really take a look around you, notice your feet on the earth, notice your breath coming in and out, be, see who you're with on this planet earth right now. It's pretty exciting. And then maybe that, that connection really starts with listening, you know, and I think really true communication really starts with listening. And mindful listening really means noticing when I'm my mind wanders, noticing when I'm planning the next thing I'm going to say, notice when I'm 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 off somewhere else, and then just gently and kindly bringing myself back to here to my focus of attention. And when it's with my child, of being with my child, you know, um, looking at her, 
um, maybe if they're a little crouching down and being close to her, you know, of course, putting the phone <laughs> face down on the table, mm -hmm. you know, the laptop lid, but really, I think listening and trying to listen for what's being said, and also what's being not said, what are the feelings under that? And that it's that attitude of curiosity that can help us to guess, you know, if our child's telling us something, sounds like that must have been really frustrating or, oh, that was a tricky moment, right? Like you can respond in a really real authentic way when you're really authentically present with your kid. Yeah, I'm sure that that, that really gets felt by, by your kids when, when you're there. Cause I mean, so often we're not there. And so when you really make that time and attention to well, what I'm hearing from you, is just really about being fully present, right? Not thinking about the past or the future, just who's there right now in that moment, this, this strange earthling in front of you. <laughs> and, yeah. and really just, just in a process of, of discovery, you know, letting go of any baggage, you know, or, you know, preconceived notions of how this person is going to behave or act or think perhaps, right? Yeah, um, the labels. Be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, there's um, there's a wonderful quote that I want to share with about that yeah, because I think do. it's so powerful. So oh, one of my great teachers of mindfulness is uh, the Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh. And he said, when you love someone, the best thing you can offer is your presence. How can you love if you are not there? And it's like, mm. oh God, yeah, you know, wow. that. Huh, yeah, that, hmm, that really hits home for me too, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. So one thing I'm curious about too is, well, actually, before I go into that, I mean, for you, what else would you include in the, the definition of a, of a mindful parent and, and what's important about being a mindful parent nowadays? Oh, I mean, actually, I've got a whole manifesto, a little manifesto. <laughs> it's in Raising Good Humans uh, about what is a mindful parent. Um, I could share a couple of words from it for you if you want. I mean, I yeah, really, no, I'd love to. I'm, <laughs> let me see if I can find it. Oh, here we go. Uh, a mindful parent is a new generation of parent, present, evolving, calm, authentic, and free. Mindful parents reject the culture of not good enough, knowing that when we free ourselves from unnecessary stress and limiting stories, our authentic, peaceful nature shines through. Mindful parents practice self-compassion and see their challenges as teachers, not flaws. Mindful parents value wisdom over reactivity, empathy over obedience, and begin anew every day. Mindful parents live what we want our kids to learn, knowing that the best parenting is in modeling. Mindful parents go within and get quiet to access their power. Mindful parents practice presence, create their experience, embrace imperfection, and love themselves. And then mindful parents are motivated, knowing that with every step, they are changing things for the generations that follow. Mm, wow, that's powerful. It's a lot there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and really, to me, it just speaks to stepping into your your true essence, not just as a parent, but really just as a as a human being. Exactly. Yeah. We get our culture kind of wants us to get into this role, right? Like we are the parent, we are mom, we are dad. You know, we often speak about ourselves in the third person. So many, many people say, mommy is doing this right now. And, <laughs> and I, I think that we need to just be like human to human, person to person. We're in a relationship, just like every other relationship. And that relationship requires us to be real, you know, to not present a facade and to be authentic. 
And so for us to teach our kids, it is truly the best thing we can do to model, right? It's truly the best thing we can do to say, no, I'm not perfect. I'm flawed. And that's okay. You know, it's okay that I'm not perfect. And I can begin anew every day and I can uh, practice to water my good seeds and not water my um, not so good seeds so much. Mm-hmm. And it's okay that I'm imperfect. It's okay that you're imperfect. And, and it's a really about practicing acceptance. And from that really beautiful ground of acceptance, accepting ourselves, accepting our kids for who they are, then then change is so much easier, right? When we're not fighting who we are, when we're not not saying I should be this thing and I, I should always be calm. I should always be, I should mm-hmm. always respond to my child in this way. But when we can be real and we can sort of slow down, then we can, then those, you know, more natural communication responses, you know, they, they come more naturally, I guess mm-hmm. I would say. But it reminds me of, something I, I once heard in a podcast by Jim Fortin, he was basically saying that, you know, the root of all disappointment is, is in expectations, right? When we strongly hold on to something the way something should be, and it's not, you know, that's, that's where the root of disappointment comes from. And I'm thinking a little bit about the other side too, where, you know, we have certain expectations on our kids, right? Even in how, you know, we as parents, are going to be treated or, or so on. Like, you know, I, I can, I can think one of the challenges I find with my kids being teenagers right now is not as much interest in even communicating, you know, it's, mm-hmm. or it's, it's, it's hard to, um, hard to, to open up and, and have, you know, discussion and, you know, that's, which is partly a natural thing when you're in the teenage life, but you know, I have certain expectations or desires that, that, you know, it's hard for me to, to let go of. Because I, I want to dive into stuff that you know is important and, and matters, and it's hard sometimes for me to just kind of let things go at the pace they need to go at. You know, mm-hmm. and that's any any thoughts on parents yeah. dealing with that? <laughs> sometimes we have to like kind of push forward and have those awkward conversations, right? Like especially if important issues or, or deeper issues or things that are like more timely and we can't, some things we can't wait for our kids for, right? Like, mm-hmm. we, you know, issues of safety and sexuality and health and things like that. So, you know, I, I don't think there's always a right answer for that, but it sounds like there's a deep desire for like a, a deep connection. Right. And, and some, and that's hard because when our teenagers, when our kids are little, they're like, listen to me, be with me. I want to <laughs> be with you like every second. And we're like, Oh my God, I need a little space. <laughs> but then as they get to be teenagers, we have to kind of enter into their world. Right. Like in, it's in thinking about that relationship. Sometimes the the relationship bank account is the simplest, you know, metaphor that I like, like, you got to put those deposits in, got to put plenty of deposits in before you ever withdraw, you know, you can't, you don't want to withdraw mm-hmm. from an empty bank account. And, and with our kids too, like, we're in a relationship, right? So it's important to have alone time with each of our kids. And it is important to kind of be curious, like, who are you right now and enter into their world? You know, I mean, I listened to my daughter, tell me all of these things about Minecraft, <laughs> Uh, YouTubers that 
I'm just like, for me, it like goes in one ear and the other. <laughs> I really have like no, like really honestly, like very little interest in that, except that it's interesting to her and mm. that she's interested in it. And so I practice to listen, you know, it's similar to like, uh, you know, listening to her talk about my little ponies when she was four, <laughs> you know, right. I wanted to really listen to that so that she would talk to me later. And, mm. and so with a teenager, it's like, well, maybe we can... I don't know, play Minecraft together or, you know, enter into their world. It's more yeah. incumbent upon us to enter into their world, I think. So I don't know if that's helpful for you. I know that's hard. If they're not talking, I feel very frustrated myself too with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I like the idea of the emotional bank account. That, uh, that's really, that's really helpful. Yeah. So is there anything else that uh, we haven't touched on today that you feel would be really important to explore? Well, I think one of the most important things that we can practice um, and that I talk about in mindful parenting is, is self-compassion and the practice of that. You know, we live in a very achievement-oriented culture. We are like practicing homeschooling with our kids or, or whatever it is. We tend to be like have very high expectations of ourselves, you know, sometimes of our kids. And, but, but particularly ourselves, and we tend to like measure ourselves, our, our worth on what we're doing and how we're achieving and getting things done. And, and it's really very, very important for us to, to give ourselves soft landings when we fall and to allow ourselves to be human, allow ourselves to be imperfect and to practice shifting that voice inside from a voice that might be harsh and might be mm. a little too harsh and shifting it to a voice of kindness because not, not just because it feels nicer <laughs> to have a kind inner voice inside, but it does, but also because it, it also allows us to grow and learn more effectively when we are inevitably human and we make a mistake if we are harsh and mean to ourselves inside, we're not going to want to take those uncomfortable steps to grow and learn again, really, right? But if yeah. we can practice, oh, that was hard. Oh, that was a hard moment. It didn't go so well. This thing, oh man, tough night. You know, like if we can practice being kind to ourselves when we are inevitably human and make a mistake, we're much more likely to grow and learn because when we step outside that comfort zone we've given ourselves that soft landing and it's so so important to model for our kids too that that compassion for ourselves that's what was coming to mind as, as you were talking is yeah i think if we're if we're hard on ourselves we're likely to be hard on them too and 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 that's mm -hmm. something that then gets passed to them and, and how they treat themselves you know it's funny i was, I was thinking about this this game that I've played in the past, it's called language hunting. And one of the neat things about the language hunting is like you play it's a social thing that you have a group of people who are playing together and you're you're trying to learn this new language with someone who's native to the language. And every time someone makes a mistake, part of the ritual is is you kind of throw your hands in the air and you say, How amazing, and everyone does it with you, and everyone's kind of celebrating you making a mistake because it's just part of the journey, right? Rather than it becoming this big deal, it's actually like this this fun moment of of celebration and laughter. And you know, I think we could we could use a lot a lot more of that along the way. I've actually recently been trying something. I, I uh, Dave Asprey, who I follow on Instagram, suggested that he does with his kids is is you'll ask at the end of the day. So you know, what's one thing you failed at today? And 
And, and part of that is just to to take the stigma away, right? It's just like, he's actually encouraging. He wants to hear about it, and because oh yeah, because then you you learned something or you pushed yourself, and that's something that uh, he wants to celebrate with his kids. So I started doing that with with my kids too, and now and again, and it's been interesting to see what kind of things that they share. But yeah, my my just my hope is they see that yeah, it's 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 okay to try and and mess up, and and dad's okay with that too. I love it. Yeah, awesome. Well, Hunter, um, we cut a lot of ground today and, and packed a lot in in just a short amount of time. Any any final thoughts you'd like to share with with parents out there who um, you know are trying to do their best and you know on their on their journey? Just say you can begin anew every single day. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on the, on the show, Hunter, and we'll have uh, links to your your website in the in the show notes, and people can find out more about your your program and, and your your amazing book. And um, thank you so much for. The work that you're doing to transform parents and through parents, families, and, and future generations. It's it's so, so needed right now. And I'm so grateful for that. Thank you, David. I really appreciate this time. Uh, even though it was short, it was really a pleasure to talk to you. All right. Take care. Bye. <laughs>